0: Hi guys, welcome back to Infinite Possibilities, the podcast where we explore the lives of amazing people. their choices, challenges and opportunities. And today I have a very special guest, Tapani. Hello. <laughs> Hi, thank you for being here.
1: Thanks for inviting me.
0: Yeah, and how do you say your full name? I don't, I don't want to make a mistake.
1: Uh, my full name is yeah. Tapani Rintakahila. And oh. If you want to add my middle name, it's Tapani Valtteri Rintakahila.
0: Wow. quite a a mouthful yeah but very cool has a kind of nice rhythm to it (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) okay so tiffany what kind of work do you do
1: so i'm a lecturer um, in the business information systems group at the university of queensland business school so basically i um, teach um, at the university level students and uh, i do research on how information systems are being used in organizations how organizations may use artificial intelligence responsibly and and around related topics and then I do various service uh, duties that are you know part of the part of the deal of working at the university
0: <laughs> sounds good so we really want to know how Taphani got to where he is today so we're going to take a look back into Taphani's childhood so Taphani what kind of child were you like growing up
1: oh that's um Probably I was, um, my parents uh, tell me that I was easy child. Oh, I, I wasn't doing that much of mischief um, <laughs> uh, or running around, but I would kind of be, uh, I was quite peaceful. Um, and I was always kind of, I like to, I don't know, go, go explore nature, forests a bit. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess curious and uh, peaceful
0: child. Wow, and did you have siblings?
1: Yeah, I still wow. have. Um, <laughs> they are, um, I have a little sister and little brother.
0: Oh, and are they peaceful too?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, oh, uh, runs in your family, huh? Yeah,
1: uh, maybe, maybe. Yeah.
0: Maybe. <laughs> yeah, so were you big on reading when you were younger? What kind of hobbies did you have?
1: Yeah, I, I mainly read comics, I think. But <laughs> yeah, I was big on reading them. Um, beyond that, I, I guess I was also drawing a lot. So,
0: yeah. Oh, that's quite nice. And what about in terms of personality? Were you a very shy, introverted kid?
1: Yeah, I was pretty pretty shy and pretty introverted, I would, I'd say so, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that sounds cool. And so when you were kind of like in high school-ish, when you were thinking about careers, what was kind of floating through your mind, if anything?
1: I was a high school, I, I think at that time, um, not, not that much was floating in my mind. But <laughs> I would say that, um, I didn't have a clear idea, so I I, I went to. I, I guess I thought that business degree will be useful degree and you know very practical, so mm. that's why I, uh, I went to business school. That's why I applied to business school, got in, and uh, and uh, yeah.
0: Yeah, that's cool. And what about um, did your parents kind of have an input on what they thought you should do?
1: Um, not a strong input. No, I think they gave me the freedom to really pursue whatever interests me but they would keep stressing that it's important to get educated to get a ah. degree and you know get preferably a university level master level degree so, yeah. oh, okay they, they value education
0: yeah sounds good and so when you started your Bachelor of Business how was that and you did it in Finland right yes oh, very nice and you know how did you decide what kind of major you wanted to choose
1: uh, yeah so that was kind of a tough one because I I guess I didn't have a strong preference or strong passion, but I ended up uh, selecting business technology mm. uh, because I guess the tech side, uh, you know, started to interest me in, at that point. Um, and, and also, I, I found the course, the, the you know, the basic course, most interesting. That was kind of related to that area.
0: Mm. And just to clarify, business technology is that the same as information business information systems? Or? Yeah.
1: So so then later on in the. um it, it it covers it so later on in the master degree business information systems is one of the focus areas oh, around that business
0: technology is uh, like the broad kind of category yeah
1: that, that's what they called it in my bachelor i don't yeah. know what they i don't know really what they <laughs> call it now but yeah
0: yeah okay interesting and so you just chose it because it sort of interests you or was did you choose it like through process of elimination were there any sort of like you know um other majors that you almost did do you mm, think
1: mm, yeah I guess finance was one of them, but that was more of a, I guess, I don't I don't think I had a strong internal drive for it, but it's just like, it was very kind of desirable topic. A lot of people were trying to get good into jobs. finance and not everyone would get into finance. So yeah, I guess good jobs were the motivator there.
0: Yeah, that's yeah. cool. And so when you were close to graduating and what was your sort of plan at that time? Were you thinking I would go to industry or? You would continue working
1: through academia? Mm. So then I, I didn't consider academia initially at all. I was, uh, <laughs>
0: Perfect. Yeah,
1: yeah. so I, I, was, um, I was kind of trying to figure out what it is, what would it be that I would like to do and I guess it really came together with my when I started working on my master's thesis and, and I had a very good supervisor who was very kind of supportive and, and it, it turned out to be an interesting study. Uh, and, and he also got kind of excited about it, and we we wrote a conference paper on that. And then he just he just brought it up like, you know, <laughs> you, you might want to consider a PhD. And, and that's why, and, and that's when, I, that, before that moment, I had not even considered mm. PhD at all. And, and that's when I started to well, think that actually I've been enjoying this research <laughs> side of things more, uh, side of things more than I've enjoyed the actual, I don't know, I guess the courses that had where we're training you for, for, for more of a practical things. Mm. I, I I enjoy the kind of, the, I guess, the investigation, the exploration side of things.
0: Yeah, that's kind of cool. And at that time, so you did master's straight after doing your bachelor's, was yeah. that correct? Yeah. yeah, and how did you sort of make that decision? Some people want to go to industry and then come back and do their master's, but you just went all the way through.
1: Mm. So I don't know. My understanding is that in Finland, it's mainly people do it you know, all, the, all the way, like the master's straight away. Oh, so I would say cool. probably more people when they go to university, uh, they're just going to do the full package uh, bachelor, master, master there. Yeah. Uh, but I've noticed it might be different in you know, different countries. So yeah. So that wasn't really a decision. It was an assumption that uh, <laughs> I'm going to do a master's degree. So that,
0: yeah, that's, oh, that's kind of cool. And so I remember before in our previous conversations you were saying about like how you are going to try consulting and what kind of, where was that in the timeline and how did you decide that you still wanted to go down academia?
1: Um, I think it...
0: Was it in your after your bachelor's, after your um, master's?
1: No, I'm not really sure. Um, I don't know which conversation you might refer to, but so... I guess I had the idea that maybe after doing the PhD, yeah. I would give a shot at you know industry, just to get Aww. some industry experience or or just to see the other side of things because yeah. I've been in academia, and and then but but then at that point when that point came, I was working on many papers, yeah. and and I, I really enjoyed working on them. I really enjoyed the academic uh, life, and and then I thought like okay if I now go to industry then I'm gonna drop these papers. I I don't have the time to work on these papers. Uh, So then I was like, if I'm enjoying what I'm doing now, why would I uh, do uh, something else? So uh, there was a natural, I guess, natural continuum.
0: Uh, Wow, so you just sort of had a strong passion for um, academia since your masters?
1: Well, the passion developed. It was more of a, Mm. I wasn't sure what I would do after the masters, but I noticed that I enjoy the, the research and, and, you know, academic research. And then I thought that, okay, doing a PhD is a great uh, opportunity to, to, uh, I guess, I guess, challenge myself and and to improve. Yeah. So I'm not going to lose anything if I do a PhD. It, it's just going to be like, a, you know, extra, it's going to be a bonus. So, oh, <laughs> but, th- but then wow. it turned out that I really, I, I enjoyed it uh, enough to, to, get to the academic trajectory.
0: Wow, and so since you've done the bachelor, the master, the PhD, how does sort of um, the work sort of change? And did you have, did you like enjoy your PhD mo- more than your master's or did you have a preference?
1: Yeah, yeah, I definitely enjoyed my PhD more than my master's because I guess during my bachelor and mach- master's it wasn't clear to me what, I, what was it that I wanted to do or be whereas doing my phd i was like okay now it's clear i uh i do, uh, like there are certain goals you know get some certain publications out yeah. learn methods i don't know understand theories and and everything was much clearer so that made it more enjoyable that made you know m- my performance was far better because yeah. i was I, I kind of knew uh why i was working if that makes sense oh
0: yeah yeah that's true and so tell me more about that PhD journey. So, because when I talk to a lot of people, I'm like, hey, how was it, you know, doing a PhD, like, don't talk to me about it. Or like, <laughs> ju- one advice, don't do it. And <laughs> I'm surprised to hear someone like to have such a positive experience uh, who, and still smiling uh, about it all these years. Who,
1: who's telling you those?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, clearly talking to the wrong people.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but
0: PhD, it's such, um, how long was your PhD? It's like roughly four or five years or even more. Yeah,
1: longer? I think I did it in about roughly four years, yeah.
0: Yeah, and like, was it was it like very smooth? You know, you just go milestone after milestone, or were there days when you really couldn't see the light at the end of the tunnel? Like, why am I doing this? Mm. And because PhD is such a niche. Like,
1: it was uh, the beginning was the hardest because mm-hmm. that was a uh, you don't really know what to do. Yeah, you are, you're just like I was sitting in the office and trying to read some papers, trying to yeah. write something, but I didn't really know what I was doing. But at the same time, I was also taking courses that train you in methods that train you in, in yeah. theory and all that stuff. So, um, so the, maybe the beginning was, was difficult. And, and then you get the usual, whatever, imposter syndrome that yeah. a lot of, a lot of academics get that they're like, am I really in the right place? Yeah. Uh, uh, maybe, you know, maybe there has been a mistake, maybe, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, and, and then, once I, but then I got, I, I, was it uh, later? I think in, the, in my second year or latest in my third year, it starts to get like, okay, now I actually know. I know that w- what I need to, I know what I'm doing. I know what I need to do. So then it became, I guess, easier and easier. So I, I didn't get this kind of a block. Uh, yeah.
0: yeah. Oh, that's kind of interesting. And yeah, and so what was your kind of PhD topic on and how did you choose?
1: Ah Yes, that was a, um, so I did it on organizational uh, decisions to discontinue the use of an information technology. Uh-huh. So, so basically when organization decommissions, uh, uh-huh. takes uh, some of its technological systems out of use. Uh-huh. And it was, it was about that and it was about like how does that happen, why does that happen and what are the implications of that. Um, Yeah, that was the the topic. How did I end up doing that? That was uh, it was very emergent, I would say. Mm. It was very initially I set out to study. It was more about adoption of technology that I started to study. And that was, I I guess, the original initial idea was that, like, how do you trigger adoption? There's this idea that people might have intentions to adopt the technology, uh, but then the intention doesn't always translate in the actual behavior. Yeah. And then I wanted to explore that intention-behavior gap. Like, how do you how do you trigger intention and behavior? But but then somehow the, in the adoption space, there's been so much research on technology adoption. So it's really hard to also find new angles to that.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, and then I think it was a, a colleague at Aldo who actually uh, Ask if I'm. Uh, it was actually uh, b- before that I was also uh, wrote a paper on organizational adoption of technologies. Like, why do organizations sometimes struggle to adopt technologies? So it was <laughs> still kind of the same idea. Yeah. But then uh, that kind of concluded in the insight that okay, it's not only about the adoption, but it's actually a replacement. So they have something mm. already in use. They have yeah. already whether it's a technical system or just like a paper-based system, but they have some system in use. And they are struggling to get rid of like some let go of that system to adapt mm-hmm. the new one. And that's what kind of directed my attention to discontinuance, discontinuing the use of incumbent technology. Mm. And then uh, a colleague asked me because he had also started looking into that uh, phenomenon because that's very kind of that was and still is a little under research yeah. uh, aspect of technology use. and. Uh, And he asked if you know if i'm interested in writing a paper together on the Mm -hmm. topic so we at that point i still didn't know i had like i wrote the paper together with him and then i had like kind of three papers that were kind of (laughs) a little bit different and i didn't know if they fit in the same phd and and then i had this data set that i had collected for my master's thesis and for my first paper and then uh, with the help of another a colleague at Alto, we actually found the angle to that data set that there was actually discontinued use of technology. Like there was a organization had taken away the te- technology between, you know, um, yeah, so, so basically there was, there was that. So we were able to, uh, to study that in, with, with that data.
0: Yeah, that's pretty cool. A bit of luck, right? Yeah, Putting there was a bit of luck. Yeah, yeah.
1: And I, I wonder why I didn't think of that in the <laughs> first. In the first place. Then, and then there was a bit of more luck. So also my supervisor, he uh, found a case, uh, yet another case of, of discontinuance of technology. So oh, you know, then I have three papers together that are all on that topic. Yeah. And I've got really into that topic because uh, w- that one paper with my colleague was a literature review on Ooh. what do we know, what's the state of knowledge on uh, discontinuous use of IS. So uh, I pretty much knew what's been researched. It was really smooth, and then I found, you know, f- of a third uh, empirical case mm, of, of that. So, perfect. And that w- that's then. Then you got a PhD.
0: Yeah, damn. But PhD is hard because you can't do a topic that no one like that like that has already been done. But at hmm. the same time, you can't work on something that is too new that there is nothing on it at all. So finding your spot in the world was yeah, yeah. very very hard it's
1: it's not easy yeah yeah and, and looking back there would have been many different topic many different angles that i could have done wow. but i just kind of ended up doing that because that kind of emerged <laughs> so yeah, it, yeah. Aww,
0: that's cool and like how far were you into the sort of journey when you found that angle eventually
1: i, I it did come already i would say after the f- first year So uh, I had been, that's when it first emerged, but it wasn't set yet, I I still could have done different topics, but it's just, um, I I started kind of um, drifting more and more towards that because, you Mm. know, everything seemed to be pointing towards
0: that topic so all the stars in the 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 universal (laughs) (laughs) line okay that's cool and then how does one sort of become like very passionate about the same thing for like four years because it seems like it's almost kind of like an arbitrary topic it's like Mm -hmm. a topic and then suddenly you sort of become so interested in how do you maintain passion and Mm -hmm. are you have you always been passionate about it for four years
1: so That's a good question, interesting question. I I would say, (laughs) what I'm more passionate about is about understanding the relationship between humans and technology on a kind of, I think that the more kind of fundamental questions that are fascinating to me. And and then within the, within different more uh, practical research topics, you can actually explore that more general phenomena. So, so, so I guess as an example, in one of my case studies, so the case study was about they and a firm that had um, discontinued the use of uh, an kind of automated system. That system that had a lot of automation mm. and that had been doing automating processes for them for a few years.
0: Mm, are you talking legacy systems
1: or um, no, not it's, that old? Uh, not necessarily that old, but but like a like a system, a very kind of specific niche, niche system mm. uh, that would automate certain uh, aspect of work. Yeah. And because they've been using this system uh, for so many years, uh, then these uh, workers had actually lost some of their understanding <laughs> of, of, of how to do that, because yeah. in order to keep up their understanding, they need to kind of, it was an accounting related process, so they need yeah. to keep up to date with legislation, and they also need to do the hands-on working. Otherwise, you'll kind of lose it. Yeah. And they hadn't done that because they had the automation in place. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, when they took it away, the managers didn't know <clears throat> that yeah. they, they didn't know how to do this. Yeah. Thing. <laughs> so so then they were in trouble. You know, they couldn't do this kind of um, uh, tax reports, for instance. So so that has a very... So that's an implication of what happened because they took away the system. But there is so much more. It's not ju- just about taking away the, uh, the system. It's about what happens to human skills when we are relying on automation. Oh, so, yeah. and that's something that's a very fundamental kind of a dilemma that we yeah. use all these technologies. I'm using Google Maps when I try to get somewhere. Yeah. Uh, I no longer pay attention to you know, what's around me. That and if I, if I lose the internet connection, then I'm lost. So it, it, it leads you to this kind of very interesting uh, yeah. themes.
0: Oh, Damn. Yeah, that's true. And overall, like, what kind of person do you think is suited to the research route and maybe who's not? Because it's kind of interesting, like, you sort of slowly developed your passion for research and you didn't initially think that that's the route mm. you would take. So what kind of people do you think are suited and maybe not so suited?
1: Mm. Uh, it's a tough question because yeah. I guess there can be many different kinds of researchers. Yeah. So, But... I guess if you want to see <clears throat> if you want quick quick results uh for your work that are like immediately you can see the real world impact yeah then I don't know if uh, research <laughs> at least in social sciences that might not be the best yeah, place to be that's because
0: true. people are impatient <laughs> <laughs> we're
1: we're we're contributing the body of knowledge as yeah. uh, you know slowly um uh, and, and and also I guess <clears throat> In, in general, in academic like if you you need to be able to tolerate some level of I guess uncertainty. Yeah. Um, I guess that's nowadays anywhere. Yeah. But 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 in in terms of uh, you you might need to be ready to to move to another city to another country because there is only there are only so many universities in one city and only so many positions. And if you don't get it, then, you know, it's either you move or, or then you need to you relocate or, or then you need to consider a change of career or, you know, so, so that's kind of yeah. some, there, there's a bigger, I guess, I guess dynamism in, in that sense.
0: Yeah, mm, that's interesting. And I think your bachelor, master and PhD, they were all at the same university. Was that correct? Yeah. Right? yeah. Yeah, and how did you decide that you just wanted to, like, surely you must have gotten sick of your university at that point?
1: No, not really. I mean, it's a, what? It, I think it's a good place. Uh, <laughs> I enjoyed my time there, definitely. Uh, um, uh, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, I guess it was probably because of all the connections you built there. And then hmm. was your PhD, like, your PhD supervisor was also your master's? Yeah, master, supervisor? Yes, yes. So I guess that's a very natural kind of decision. It was, yeah,
1: natural yeah, natural. Yeah. So you know, I was lucky to have a very kind of a um, very supportive and very you know uh, engaged uh, masters uh, and I'm PhD supervisor. So that really helped me uh, in 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 getting where I am today. So
0: yeah, mm-hmm. that's kind of cool. Um, yeah, and also I saw that you did some exchanges, right? Yes, Malaysia and then Taiwan. So tell yeah. me more about that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean. Uh, it was a one <clears throat> Kuala Lumpur was one semes- wow. semester. Semester uh,
0: uh, during your masters.
1: That was during bachelor. Oh, so sick. Uh, we were um, group of. I think it was like kind of one class, one class of mainly Finnish. I think we were all actually Finnish students. <laughs> so it was like 50, 50 Finnish students uh, in Malaysia. <gasps> learning uh, it was more about the cultural side of business that was uh, oh the, the, so it's the... not
0: really emphasis, nah. no no that was oh, that was not <laughs> <laughs> nice and how did you choose kuala lumpur how did you choose malaysia
1: oh uh, i had some friends who who did the same exchange program uh, earlier uh, and and they were raving about it so uh, uh. I, I had been to kuala <laughs> so lumpur when i was like five years old so yeah. oh
0: that's kind of <clears> cool <throat> and what about the taiwan exchange
1: yeah, well, that was awesome as well. Bachelors?
0: Th- that was masters, yeah. Oh, yeah. sick. And was it because of the same reason? Your friend was like, hey, hey, it's happening. No, no.
1: <laughs> I, I didn't know anyone who had gone there. Uh-huh. But because right. I had gone to the Kuala Lumpur and I enjoyed, like I, um, uh, being, you know, um, being um, grown in Finland, yeah. it's nice to go to warm tropical places yeah. because <clears throat> Finland is not too warm. Tropical, so uh, so that was just like a natural thing. Like, okay, I had an awesome uh, exchange semester in Kuala Lumpur I want to do another one, and I did it.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And tell me about your decision to come to Australia, leaving Finland. Yeah, Ooh. yeah. So
1: that was, um, yeah. Um, uh, once I was kind of wrapping up my PhD, I started to look at the job market, yeah. and uh, I guess my idea was that I'd either somewhere in Europe or yeah. or. Then also australia because i was I, I came to australia with my parents for a, for a few weeks when i was five years old
0: <laughs> again so, when you were five <laughs> yeah so that
1: was the same trip actually we, we went to we went to malaysia and then australia so it was the same wow. trip where i think altogether one month and yeah uh, and then i i don't remember it that well but i, I just always had to you know i, I want to go back to australia oh. and then, then there was a job uh and i applied it and was fortunate enough to get it <laughs>
0: nice at that point did you get multiple offers did you have to sort of uh, choose and toss up or you just grabbed the first one
1: no yeah yeah i this was the first offer that i got and, oh, uh, perfect uh, but it was also i guess it was the best possible offer because uh yeah yeah, yeah that
0: and a... that offer was it to do was it called post doctorate post
1: yeah postdoc two-year postdoc position oh, yes
0: that's cool and tell me more about how that's kind of different to doing a phd
1: mm. Um, it's not that different. It's actually <laughs> you're, you're, you're just doing research, yeah. uh, but you might be, you're typically associated uh, with a project. So yeah. typically there is maybe someone has a grant or project money and they can hire a postdoc for that. And then uh, then you'll do research uh, that contributes to the <clears throat> to the objectives of that project. Uh, but then also typically you have some leeway to you know, work on your own papers that, you know, are from your PhD, for instance. So which Mm. is what I was uh, also like, I I was able to work on my my papers that I had already started. So in a way, I was just continuing what I had been doing, working on papers, trying to publish them for my PhD. Yeah,
0: Mm. but
1: then also taking on new projects.
0: Yeah, that's cool. And what about have you found some kind of differences between Finland and Australia? And Mm. how was that being sort of settling that transition?
1: yeah i mean it's it, it's not too different culture wise <laughs> it's uh fairly similar <clears throat> um uh like a western um welfare society but um weather is uh, is is more pleasant i'd say <laughs> <laughs> um uh, the culture and in, in it's it's more extroverted so so finland is more introverted
0: oh, so, that's hilarious too. yeah yeah
1: yeah so so you know people are very kind of talkative and um, yeah. and engage, engaging here whereas finland, finland is like more
0: uh, <laughs> mind your
1: more, own business finnish people have that
0: <laughs> yeah oh that's kind of cool and also talk to me more about um hiking and how you sort of are you still maintaining that because that was a you know a passion when you were younger
1: yeah yeah i'm i'm very much into hiking so i I try to hike as much as i can i just like hard to find time recently
0: yeah how do you balance them because you
1: have uh, to like take like (laughs) yeah yeah i haven't i haven't done a hike in a while but i just enjoy going to nature and just you know walking walking in in the nature um, and also challenging myself so it's just something that really re resets your your mind quite nicely
0: yeah and how often do you sort of try to go for that kind of social media detox kind of thing is Um, it like a regular every three months yes it's not specifically
1: social media detox i would say any any computer detox
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah computers Uh, where your work is (laughs) yeah
1: yeah um yeah, I don't know. I, don't, I haven't done any hike in a while, yeah. but I'm hoping to do some very soon. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't have an average fre- frequency for how, how many, as, yeah. much as, uh, as much as I can, I guess.
0: Yeah, that's cool. And your hikes are generally by yourself, right?
1: Oh, it really depends. Uh, yeah, either by myself or, or with people. It, it really depends uh, on the situation, I'd say. Yeah.
0: Do you have a preference?
1: Uh, yeah, I, I do like I do like to share the experience. Oh, so yeah.
0: I thought yeah. you were gonna say the contrary because it's kind of like your own time, sort of shut off the no, world, mm. and then you bring someone along, and they're like. Uh, no, I I, I like <laughs> I
1: like sharing the experience, because then you can you know yeah, uh, but I, I don't mind going alone either. So
0: yeah, that's kind of cool. And when you're doing a PhD at the time, did you sort of think that oh the end kind of goal was to become a lecturer, which is what you're doing now, or is, when did sort of lecturing and that sort of teaching role kind of come into your mind?
1: Oh, well, that, that's just, it's a part of being an academic. So mm. it, it's just, um, you know, in Europe and the U.S., there's yeah. a different system, so there you're actually assistant professor, uh, uh, whereas here you're a lecturer. Yeah. Uh, but it's the same deal in a way that you are doing teaching, you're doing research. Yeah. Uh, usually, like I guess, usually universities cite as their, you know, their primary purpose is to educate. Yeah. So that, that's just, you know, it's, it's part of being an academic. So that kind of naturally came. And, and during my PhD, I did some teaching as well. Yeah. So, so it was kind of evident that that's, that will be the par- part of my my daily work if, uh, if I'm continuing as an academic.
0: Yeah, that's cool. And so what is kind of a day in the life of lecturing? or like a day in the life of working at UQ. <laughs> How would you sort of describe it? Oh, it do you depends. have six times where your man, like when I go to work have to be there at like 8.30 or do you like, it's kind of like flexy.
1: Yeah, it's very flexible. So it really depends on the day. The, Give the me an example. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so it could be that I wake up in the morning and I uh, have my breakfast, <clears throat> open my laptop and start maybe start reading a paper or or writing a paper or, you know, whatever it is. And, uh, you know, sometimes you might have a day when you're fully engaged working on one paper. If you have something that, you know, you need to progress it, so, and you just need to immerse yourself, so you might spend the full day working on one thing. Yeah. Then there are other days when you have a meeting here, meeting there, you might have to send a few emails, you might have to finalize maybe a paper, maybe submit another paper, maybe a review uh, of a paper. So yeah. we do you no know, peer review of paper, others papers. Uh, so, you know, uh, or, or then if I have teaching, then, you know, before the teaching, I need to prep, be, you yeah. know, check that my slides are okay. Uh, so, you know, I remind myself what I'm going to be talking about yeah. and, uh, and so on, then deliver, uh, or so maybe answer students' emails. So.
0: Oh, that's cool that kind of
1: stuff
0: yeah, yeah and kind of curious how many hours do you work as a researcher <laughs> I don't
1: really I don't really count the hours I know like, but
0: um, roughly
1: because
0: <laughs> you can get really like you know into your because it's like kind of like your own work mm. right mm. there's not someone sort of hovering over you mm. checking the progress necessarily so. yeah yeah.
1: Yeah, it's it's hard.
0: Um. <laughs> More than a regular full time job, yeah.
1: Yeah, well, I guess depending on also on the full time job. Like I know that some, yeah, <clears throat> some let's say in consultancy business, some people work yeah. pretty crazy hours. So, yeah. So yeah, I don't really have a number for you. So.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay. I guess you just love your work so much, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 And so, if you weren't, you know, doing lecturing and you know doing research, what do you think you would have done? And mm. do you think you could have been equally as happy?
1: Oh, that's a good <clears throat> question. Huh. Uh, I don't know. I would think that some sort of a research job would have been something that would have suited me yeah. and then that would have been just in the industry side. Oh. So, of course, like industry is, <clears throat> you know, companies are doing research as well. Research yeah. and development. So yeah. Uh, that I guess that could be one. But I don't know if I would have kind of ended up in that kind of profession without this academic yeah. uh, experience. But that could be something.
0: Other than research, do you think there's anything else that you could have done?
1: <coughs> yeah.
0: Engineering, Tiffany, maybe. Um, <laughs> I'm
1: not an engineer. I don't have the engineering degree, so I don't. I don't think so. Um, hmm. Hmm. I don't know. I, I guess consultancy is always, another, like uh, especially with a business degree, yeah. consultancy could be something, yeah. Yeah, well, that's very cool. Very typical, yeah.
0: Yeah, and since we're nearly at the kind of end of the podcast, just a few more quick questions. Yeah. So first is the deep one. What do you think kind of the meaning of life is for you?
1: Oh, least? wow. <laughs> oh, that's a very uh, big question. So meaning of life. Um, for me, it, I guess it would be to um, discover new things uh, about myself and the world and contribute positively to, you know, others', others lives, I yeah. guess that, that would be
0: one. Yeah, that's pretty good. And how does sort of like one find their passion? And do you think you've ever like, you found it or do you think that there might be something that is like even more aligned than what it is right now? What are your
1: thoughts? Oh, something that would be even more aligned with my passion than what I'm doing now.
0: And do you think you've (coughs) already found it? You're like, oh, yeah, this is it, you know, business information systems, lecturing, or?
1: Oh, (coughs) Uh, there can always be something, but I couldn't tell you what it would be at the moment. (laughs) I I think it would be something that I would discover.
0: It would emerge. Yeah, (laughs) it would
1: emerge, yeah. I'm having a very emergent life.
0: Yeah, (laughs) that's cool. And so how does, like, a lot of um, young people these days, they really don't know what to do with their life. And how does one sort of find their passion or figure out this process? Do you have any sort of kind of advice, tips?
1: Um, Well, (laughs) I think one one thing is what's useful to do is to uh, think about whether you are enjoying what you're doing, you know, daily, whatever activity that's and task, Because I, I think there are some, like, there are probably many people who don't really enjoy uh, what they're actually doing. Yeah, day-to-day is the important. They might like the idea yeah. of being something, but then the actual, you know, actual activity level, they might not enjoy it. Yeah. So one thing is to reflect on that. Do I actually like yeah. uh, these daily things that I'm doing? Uh, another thing is to think of values, like to be really clear of what your values are and to what extent what you're doing is uh, aligned with them.
0: Yeah. Mm. Are you keen to share some of your values? What kind of uh, stuff does that look like?
1: Um, well, I guess um, one would be, um, well, one of my values value definitely is the kind of, um uh, uh, I guess environment and sustainability yeah. and uh, I guess like the importance of minimising human uh, human's negative impact on environment, that would be one thing, and does so that... if I would be doing something that uh, mm. you know is in direct contradiction with that value, yeah. that might be problematic for me.
0: Oh. And does technology sort of feed into that kind of?
1: yeah i'm optimistic that technologies can be used to solve <laughs> some of those problems yeah yeah
0: yeah that's pretty good and also a fun hypothetical question so tap if you won the lottery tomorrow how would you sort of change your life what would you use some mm. kind of differently
1: oh I don't, I don't know i i hope i that wouldn't change my life <laughs> too much uh i yeah i would try <clears throat> I would try uh, to make it not to change my life too much uh, oh. because um, you know I don't, I don't know w- if, if that would radically change my life uh, then it may not I don't know if it would change it for better because I'm already happy oh. so so uh, yeah. yeah
0: wow that's so good then
1: <laughs>
0: cool and the final question is what is your ideal day in the life what time do you wake up and how do you spend your day. It can be like, maybe there's one for work-wise, maybe there's one just purely for your leisure.
1: Oh, okay. Uh, Oh, I I guess work-wise, waking up very early. um, Oh,
0: you're an early bird?
1: I don't know if I am, I'm trying to be, I'm not always (laughs) successful. Uh, But waking up early after really refreshing deep sleep. Starting uh, having a productive day where that in includes a lot of writing, mm. a lot of writing, uh, and also maybe a couple of productive meetings with with colleagues. Uh, yeah, uh, and, and maybe 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 submitting a paper and and <laughs> you know feeling that you know load off my chest, yeah. or maybe receiving a email that says that my paper has been accepted. Ah, oh, uh, I mean,
0: that would a, be so uh, good. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> Sounds good. And what about non-work-wise?
1: Oh, I guess that would involve, I don't know, uh, a lot of, um, I guess a lot of um, um, shared activities with friends and, uh, you know, doing something fun with good friends, uh, whatever it is. Uh,
0: Yeah, sounds good. (laughs) Cool. And we're pretty much at the end of the podcast. Want to wave bye?
1: All right. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.